Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonableist Podcast here at the Athletic Toronto. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me on the line after a long weekend of both of us just, you know, working our tails off for you, dear reader, dear listener. Eric Green. Eric, how's it going, buddy? Uh, it's going. We're here. The sun is shining. The Raptors have secured deals that are maybe not below market, but below what we thought would be the market two weeks ago. Everything's dandy like happy fourth of july to any american listeners as well and if you're listening to a toronto raptors podcast on the fourth of july you know maybe reevaluate but thank, thank you. you thank you strange yes. life strange life choices but thank you yes um it's a weird thing the, the nba's free agent moratorium period always begins at midnight on july 1st and runs you know four five six days in this case it, it ends at noon on july 6th um, so, you know, both countries kind of lose their long weekend or their holiday being hung up with NBA news. As we record this, we're still waiting to hear what decision Gordon Hayward has made, whether he's going to make the Celtics even more annoying, uh, make the Jazz still one of the, the most fun teams in the league, or do something different entirely, um, like going to the Miami Heat. Uh, it's, you know, no one's going to feel bad for sports writers having to keep an eye on the news on their long weekends. But, Eric... It meant that today was kind of today's kind of my first off day of the the long weekend, even though it's not a holiday here because there was a lot going on in Raptorland. Uh, I'm finally getting to catch up on the New Japan G1 Climax Special that took place in the U.S. this weekend and crowned the first ever New Japan uh, Heavyweight United States Champion. Uh, Eric, I, I'm sure you you couldn't put that aside. You obviously watched that already. Yeah, no, I, I would never let something like my job get in the way of being. Uh, in on that water cooler talk, yeah. like you can't you can't let that get ahead of you. <laughs> um, I was actually just like the worst house guest this weekend. I was at um, I went to my girlfriend's family's lake house and spent most of the time working, which was not the best socially. But you know, the Raptors at least gave us lots and lots to talk about. Uh, also on the weekend, I enjoyed some delicious, refreshing beer from Muskoka Brewery. Uh, they sent us some beer for, you know, uh, drinking during this podcast. We're recording on a Tuesday morning. So I pulled it ahead a little bit and drank it on the weekend. Uh, A thank you to Muskoka Brewery for keeping us refreshed ahead of this podcast, at least. Have we been sponsored and I wasn't told? No, they just sent us some. I I have some beer here for you the next time I see you. Muskoka just sent us sent us some uh, some detour. It's funny because I had a I had a party a month ago uh, to celebrate my continued agent my continued aging and somebody brought me like a 12 or 16 pack of muskoka beer with like all different types of uh of their delicious um concoctions uh, not just detour but you got the cream ale you got the summer vice you got everything uh but they're the, also the only ones that have like an obvious best before date on them yes. so like I, I and like lots of people thank you to my friends and associates and whoever came to the party brought beer so i feel pressure to drink the muskoka beer before drinking anything else Uh, It will not be an issue for me to drink the beer in time. It's not a problem I generally run into. (laughs) Yeah, that's just, there's a lot, man. I've been like inviting people over more than usual. Like, you need to get this beer out of my fridge. That sounds awful for you and having people Uh, over and entertaining. And It's actually good for me right now, but we don't have to get into that. Okay, we don't have to get into that. 
Uh, so thank you to them for sending these beers along. And guys, anytime you want to send beer my way, I will happily drink it. Um, so while in between beers, the Toronto Raptors gave us lots to talk about, um, I guess we'll talk about them in order. The first thing that came down was that P.J. Tucker had, as difficult as it sounded for him based on um, his comments after the move, he declined a three-year, $33 million offer from the Toronto Raptors. Brian Windhorst reported that figure uh, to sign a four-year, $32 million with the Houston Rockets. Uh, I believe Shams Trania had that, um, and Shams has just been killing it. Uh, him and Woj going head-to-head, one of the summer's biggest battles. Um, so P.J. Tucker takes a little bit less money. The tax implications in the state of Texas play a part there. Um, it sounded like it had a lot more to do with his good friend Trevor Reza, with um, Chris Paul, who is you know a pretty convincing guy. He's the head of the Players Union, so he, he can clearly make an argument. And uh, Mike D'Antoni. And Tucker's a great fit there. Uh, he, he helps make Houston... Um, a lot more flexible at both ends of the floor. He's probably going to play a lot of power forward there. He's going to, you saw him shoot just a ton of corner threes while he was with the Raptors. He's going to shoot even more. Trevor Reza has led the NBA in corner three-point attempts, I think, three years in a row. Um, Tucker was top five last year, but Tucker should be right there with him. Um, it's a fun fit. It is a big loss for the Raptors, Eric. Yeah, and, I mean, we all know the Raptors situation heading into the summer. Uh, they just don't have many obvious means to add to their team from outside of their roster. They may try and and to still get there yet, but it's it's gonna take some work or take some extra assets that Masai Ujiri has generally been loath to give away. We'll get into that a bit later. Um but Tucker just you know, we saw what he brought at the end of the season. He brought you know, so much, not only great one-on-one defense, but defensive versatility, somebody who can switch on to a number of different types of players. And he brought that three-point shooting. And if the Raptors want to have this culture reset where they change their style and and are a bit more flexible and are taking more three-pointers and hopefully hitting a few more, then he would have been a nice piece to get back, uh, to bring back. Uh, at the same time, if he had re-signed, it, they would have been in an even bigger predicament in terms of shedding salary. So I think it's a it's a big loss, certainly, um, but not without a slight silver lining that the Raptors would probably rather do without. Yeah, this one this one hurts a lot from the the character standpoint of the team, what they the kind of identity they wanted to build. You know, the talk of a culture reset is probably in the rear view to the scope that it, it first sounded like, given that a lot of the pieces are back. But Tucker could have played a part in that. He quickly became a vocal leader. Um, he was, you know, the team's best sneakerhead. He has a lot of nice cars. He's great to talk to about defense. From a general interest perspective, he's a loss as well. But yeah, as you mentioned. Um, not a lot of, they would have been in a worse tax situation. We're going to get to that. Um, also, one just one note. Originally, when I wrote up for Raptors Republic, the Tucker News, I had made mention that there was the potential for the Raptors to sign and trade him to Houston. Houston has three non-guaranteed contracts that could be paired together to make the math work. Um, the Raptors could have tried to get a pick or something back just to, to lighten the hit. Um, that's probably off the table. The Rockets deal for, um, the restructured deal for Nene fits into the non-bird exception, so they really don't have an incentive to do it um, anymore. I mean, maybe they're going to add one more piece, uh, and they'd like the mid-level exception for that, but it seems like it's probably off the table with Nene's new deal and the the small 
um, contract for Joe Chi coming over from China. So um, PJ Tucker Domino fell. We had to wait a little bit. Get sad. Um, good news came shortly after. Serge Ibaka back on a three-year, $65 million deal. Um, Eric, this is the one that kind of seemed the biggest certainty if the Raptors wanted to keep things together. Um, Ibaka, you know, there had been rumblings for some time that he and the Raptors had uh, a deal worked out well in advance. Whether or not that's true, we don't know. We know that he's a player uh, Masai Ujiri has liked for some time, shares an agent with Kyle Lowry. For whatever all those factors factor in, uh, they worked pretty swiftly to get Ibaka on a deal that is probably pretty close to his market value, maybe even a hair above, but the three-year term um, fits in with well with what they're doing, and $65 million is not too bad. Um, your thoughts on the Ibaka deal? Yeah, I, um, I think beforehand I thought it might be a little less annually, but I was also operating under the assumption that they wouldn't be as hard line as they have been about three years, uh, right. which is probably which is probably the biggest story in all of these signings. Right? Do, would you rather would you the, rather we talk about Lowry and Ibaka together then? Uh, I mean, whatever. Let, let's talk about Ibaka quickly. Okay. Um, and I'm including the Tucker offer in that. Like yes, they three clearly three years, thirty three. Yeah, they clearly want a date where they can break this up or another clear decision can be made. And that will happen three years from now. Also, um, an important, as, sorry, it was just a quick note on that. Um, not only will it happen three years from now, because all of these contracts will expire and DeMar DeRozan can opt I, out um, with the new reality, the new cap reality and the collective bargaining agreement as it is um, expiring contracts stand to, I, I don't know if anyone remembers, you know, two CBAs ago when an expiring contract was like actually talked about as an asset you got back in a trade because it helped you clear cap space because cap space was scarce around the league. Um, by 20, by the time 2019, 2020 rolls around, these contracts are going to have value as trade chips as well. It, it doesn't figure that DeRozan would be bad by the time he's 30, that Ibaka would be bad by the time he's 30. Um, Lowry might be on the downswing at 34. Uh, but all of these guys, if the Raptors, if things don't go well and the Raptors want to pull the trigger on taking a step back early, um, 2019, that could probably be on the table because one-year deals are going to be a little more attractive in the new, yeah. the new economy. Who can forget Rafe LaFrance's expiring contract or Eric Dampier's expiring contract or who am I missing? What were some other memorable expiring contracts? There were a lot of them. Yes, and they had value. And these, unless another revenue stream comes in that we cannot foresee, which is certainly possible. Uh, these will have value as well. Uh, but the Ibaka fit, I mean, three-point shooting, uh, rim protection, uh, you know, I, I think we saw that he's not quite the perimeter defender that you would have hoped, but he has some utility there. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I think the number is totally fine uh, in a vacuum. Uh, I know people want to argue about what it means to bring this whole team, or not this whole team, but the, the core of the team back, and we'll get into that with Lowry. But I think in isolation, it's a, a perfectly acceptable deal. We didn't hear many rumblings of other teams going after Ibaka. Houston uh, and Miami were rumored a little bit. Yeah, and, and the idea of Ibaka going to whatever Miami's system is for fixing guys and making them healthy and unbelievable. If there's a place you want to go at 27, 
as you coming off a couple injuries and as you seem to have slowed a step. Miami would seem to be a, a good place. Plus no state tax. There you go, just like Houston. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, perfectly fine deal. You know, I thought, again, I thought maybe it would be a hair lower on the annual scale, but you get that back in one fewer year. So, from there, good, good deal. From there. Uh, and, and these deals probably got agreed to around the same time. They share an agent and all. Uh, but yeah. Kyle Lowry needed time to yeah. go through the, the editing process and the publishing the process at Players Tribune. Yes, we all know he probably, you know, he, he wrote the first draft, printed it out, uh, went line by line with his red pen, uh, got some of the syrupiness out, uh, you know, some unnecessary adjectives, just deleted those, uh, really went through a full-throttled editing process to uh, make the story just as long as it needed to be and not a word longer. I wouldn't know anything about that. We know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, Kyle Lowry announces via a Players Tribune article that, uh, by the way, Ron Baker stealing Kyle Lowry's shine. Kyle Lowry, the last time he was a free agent, uh, no one scooped it. He announced it on Instagram. This time around, Kyle Lowry drops a Players Tribune piece. No one scoops him on it, uh, which is rare, really rare. But Ron Baker kind of stole the thunder by announcing his own signing as well just a day earlier. Yeah. Ron well, Baker in, in Kyle Lowry's head, in his kitchen, yeah. breaking dishes. <laughs> Yeah, and, and this year as the possible starting point guard for the New York Knicks, it is grill again. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Kyle Lowry agrees to come back on a three-year deal. Uh, the initial terms reported by Michael Scotto of Basketball Insiders were was $100 million. Bruce Arthur, the Toronto star, later followed and said only $90 million of that is guaranteed. Um, until we see how the non-guarantee works, um, whether it's tied up in likely bonuses, unlikely bonuses, a partial guaranteed third year. Uh, let's just assume it's a three-year, $100 million deal. That's what I've been doing in my cap machinations. Um, let's assume three, 100. Again, with the term, uh, Eric, you probably have some thoughts on how Lowry's, how Lowry's market played out, um, how his leverage kind of dried up and the timing wasn't great. It's something I believe you wrote about at the Athletic yeah. Journal. Yeah. Tell us about it. Tell us, to give us... How do you feel about Kyle Lowry signing for three years at $100 million? Well, first of all, like, again, two, three weeks ago, I'm thinking some team's given him four and 149 or whatever the max was for a four-year deal. And for any number of reasons that we can count, you know, the Philly trade, uh, five-point guards drafted in the first nine picks, the Chris Paul deal, uh, Minnesota. Minnesota weirdly off, liking Jeff yeah. Teague. Jeff Teague and Taj Gibson more than Kyle Lowry, which I would still argue with, but that's... Yes, I, I would rather have Kyle Lowry or Paul Millsap rather than Jeff Teague and Taj Gibson. Yeah. Um, and San Antonio deciding not to get too creative and just bring back Patty Mills, who I like very much. Uh, the market... You know, if Kyle Lowry was looking to A, get paid, and B, win a lot of basketball games, the market was down to one team, realistically. Uh, unless some sign-and-trade was going to be worked out that was never reported and, and never uh, really in the consciousness of uh, NBA reportage. Uh, and I think the Raptors ended up giving him more than they needed to. Uh, I shouldn't say needed to, but more than 
you know, they certainly topped whatever the next offer was, if there was another offer, which there very well might not have been. Uh, the highest salary given to a point guard this offseason before that was Drew Holiday, I believe, five years, $126 million, so 25 point two a year and he had new uh, orleans over a barrel and, yeah and he had the leverage there uh whereas lowry i mean you could say that they, he had the leverage there once abaca had signed but again we're working under the assumption that the two deals were basically consummated at the same time um do you consummate deals yeah okay um so like they could have gone like stronger and harder and played more hardball and said, no, we're keeping it to three and 80 or three and 85. Uh, you want DeMar DeRozan's annual contract? That seems reasonable. Here's 27.2 over three years. Um, but, and I think this is a, a hard thing to understand. Maybe um, they decided to acknowledge to an extent what he has meant to, to the most recent run in Raptors history, also known as the best run in Raptors history. Uh, he's been the most important player for them, uh, the most important person in them doing what they've done. And even if they had kept him to $26, 27000000 million, they still would have had a luxury tax headache to deal with. Um, now, if he's being paid 30 or 33 or whatever it is, it's still a headache. Um, but, you know, given what Lowry has done for the team, I think, you know, I, I can I can find them bidding against themselves to the extent that they did. Yeah, uh, it's not the question then to, becomes, the like, Lowry, if he wants to win some—sorry. No, no, that's okay. Go ahead. Um, Lowry, who said his priority was winning— well, if his priority is winning, why doesn't he take a bit more of a haircut to facilitate the Raptors getting below the tax and maybe having the full mid-level in a bit easier fashion? Uh, but you try accepting that when you go from thinking you're going to be making, you know, as much as 201 over five years or 185 over five years or 149 over four years to, you know, 90 or 100 over three. Like, that's a huge difference, and it's a huge sign of uh, respect that he was looking for, and the Raptors gave it to him, and I think it was... I think it was a just result, um, even if the Raptors could have saved themselves a bit of a headache that they're in now. Yeah, like, Lowry does not owe the Raptors or the fan base or his teammates to take less. His... He he was below market on his last deal, um, and he he took three years, which you know maybe he didn't have a choice. Um, in terms of annual salary, if we assume it's three years, a hundred, he's at about eighty nine percent of his year one max, which lines up fairly well with DeRozan taking ninety one percent of his max uh, last summer. You can't expect people to do what Kevin Durant has done, especially. I mean, you can't anyway. Um, but in Lowry's case or Durant's case, you know you're saving. You're not saving cap space for them to sign someone. Maybe you're getting you're going from the 5.2 million mid-level to the 8.4 million mid-level. Really though, these guys are saving tax payments for their ownership. 
So, you, I don't know. You can't, I, the discussion exhausted me after the Durant discount came out. Uh, I know it's something you're writing about, so maybe you don't want to talk about it yet. Um, but Lowry... Well, like I think De- there's, there's... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Lowry, like DeRozan before him, does not owe it to anyone to take less than he has earned or, or he can get. I agree. And the other key difference between... Durant and Lowry, well, there are two. First, Durant is younger and will presumably be able to cash in on a long-term deal at some point uh, if he so chooses. And he also makes a lot more in endorsements. Uh, so, and he's made more to uh, this point. Not that it's, you know, there's never enough money. You can always make more money. But uh, more to the point, like... He's somebody who can more, I mean, and I'm using a Ford in air quotes because they're all very, very wealthy people uh, or rich people. I like to reserve wealthy for like billionaires. But uh, they're, they're, you know, Durant is somebody who can do that with a bit more ease, I think. And it's the exception. It should be considered the exception and not the rule. And even with LeBron, LeBron took you know, a haircut for several years with Miami. And when he went back to Cleveland, he's like, no, I'm making the match. It's like the right thing for the Players Association, and I deserve it. So, and I I don't think, unless he's like dying to play with the Banana Boat Buddies, I think we can expect him to make the match for the foreseeable future. So uh, Durant's decision is his own. Lowry's is a is his own. Uh, in his mind, he probably already took less than he should have been getting, even though the market yields what the market yields. And uh, I think fans should be okay with that. Yeah, they should be. And if not, well, I mean, those fans probably were the, the tanking crowd anyway. So the tanking option is something we should probably talk about. I know a lot of fans wanted them to take a couple steps back and tank. It was one of the five paths that you had laid out, Eric, and it's something Masai Jiri had um, lent lip service to a little bit as an option. The Raptors obviously haven't gone that direction. As we talked about a little bit before, they've laid out this firm three-year window that they will compete within, and then all bets are off. They will probably take that step back after that point, at which point they will have made six or seven consecutive playoffs. They will have won some playoff series. Um, They will be very good. DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry will be right there with Vince Carter, and it will be a matter of opinion who the greatest Raptor of all time is at that point. Uh, These are all important considerations. In locking in the core to this three-year window, though, with a woeful lack of flexibility that we're going to talk about in a little bit, this the Raptors have locked into not winning a championship a while longer, I would think. And things could change quickly. LeBron could leave the East. Boston might be stockpiling for 2020, not 2018, if Gordon Hayward doesn't sign there. Um, Philly, their three most important players have played a combined 31 games, although I love the offseason that they've had, and they're going to be good sooner than people think, I think. Um, and, you know, things could change with the Warriors. We saw with Andre Iguodala that guys can price themselves out of there if other guys don't make sacrifices. Uh, I think Clay Thompson's up for up for a new deal in 2019. Anyway, things could change. But the Raptors, as currently constructed, have three very good players uh, in their peak years but probably don't figure to be a championship team within this window. Uh, where, How does that sit with you? It's, it's okay. Um, I'm not... You know, there's got to be more to life than winning a title. Uh, so I think that's 
the first thing. Um, I think options, this is a point not made by me. I, I, I believe I heard it. Uh, I forgot where I heard it on Zach Lowe's podcast, possibly. But the longer you're good, the more chances you get to have uh, to be in certain conversations that you wouldn't be otherwise. You know, like Chris Paul isn't forcing his way to Houston, regardless of the state tax, uh, regardless of whatever, if they don't rebound from a crappy season to have a 55-win season this past year after the sort of maligned contracts of Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson. Uh, so things can change, but, you know, I don't disagree with your with your general take and your premise. And I, you know, when I was a teenager, I sat through a lot of crappy Raptors seasons and watching them try and grow and see how the young players develop alongside uh, the core three and and see how this team gels. I think it's an interesting experiment. Uh, And I think also there'd be a lot of, you know, a lot of competition in, in the tanking game, you know, like Indiana and Chicago and Atlanta. the Nets and Atlanta and a bunch of other teams aren't going to be very good. So uh, that wasn't like this great path uh, that that was open for them and not many other teams. So, yeah, you could make I, the I, argument they wouldn't have been able to get bad enough fast enough anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean... We said something we can never know. I, I think they had uh, they had a fairly easy path to being a thirty win team. Sure. Uh, below that, who knows? Yeah. So it's tough. I get. I I wrote a lot leading up to this point about the different perspectives and the different paths people could want, and there isn't a right or wrong answer. It's like you said. There's more to life than winning a championship. Some people will you know, go through the wilderness for five or six years as things rebuild for a better chance at winning a title down the line. Um, some people are maybe okay just tuning out for a couple years and checking back in as the team rounds into form again. Um, but there's no promise that you get back to even this level. There's no promise that you get players as good as Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, and Serge Ibaka. Um, so they are, it makes sense to stick it together. Um, you kind of have found money with the best core in franchise history. Let's keep it running a little bit longer. That's the decision they've made. And it's a, it's, a, it's a finite term. That's yes, something which is important. that, you, yeah, um, it's not like an endless, we're going to keep on kicking this can down the road. And who knows, maybe if year one goes awful, then they're out of it in a year anyway. Uh, not not impossible. Uh, I'd say unlikely, but not impossible. So uh, you're you're never as stuck as you think you are. However... They are stuck in another regard. Between DeRozan, Lowry, and Ibaka, if we assume the most conservative estimates for their 2017-18 salaries, which in the case of Lowry and Ibaka means a completely backloaded deal with 8% annual raises. In Lowry's case here, though, we're assuming $100 million uh, for his total value. That is $78.7 million tied up in three players this year. It's that amount and a little more tied up through 2019-20, which itself... In a cap environment that's over 100 million, this year it's 99. It's expected to go to 102 and then 108. Uh, is not that big a deal. You have to pay. It's, it's sorry. It's not not a big deal. But this is what you have to do to have three potential all stars on one roster. You have to be top heavy 
Um, you have to draft well and develop talent, which Masai Ujiri has put a heavy emphasis on. The Raptors figure to have eight players on entry-level contracts this year, filling out the, the back end of the roster cheaply. What gets sacrificed here, though, in this kind of stars and scrubs to steal a term from fantasy baseball approach is that you don't really have the luxury of the middle class. And for the Raptors, that means that the fact that you are paying Jonas Valanciunas, Damari Carroll, and Corey Joseph a combined $37.9 million this year is troublesome. The Raptors currently have, where is my number here? Uh, $132.2 million in salary committed to 14 players. That not only and, puts them, sorry, go ahead. And, and that's the lowest yes. number for Lowry and Ibaka. Yes. Here, that, okay. that gives you an enormous tax bill at that rate because you are not only over the tax, you're over the tax apron, which means you only have the mini mid the, the taxpayer mid-level exception to add a piece. Um, and the cost of that 5.19 million mid-level exception is something like 15 to 20 million in real dollars because of the escalating tax. Um, as currently constructed, the Raptors would be paying about 23.9 million in luxury tax, meaning that their entire payroll right now is north of 155 million which would be you know among the historic top 10 maybe even a little higher depending on how the offseason plays out the raptors probably aren't going to spend that freely uh, to be a second or third round playoff team uh, it's mlse has said and, and masai jury has confirmed that they he has permission to go into the tax but he'll probably want to you know save those major major bullets in case something comes up down the line and this team this year is probably not a title contender, so he shouldn't spend like they are. The issue now, Eric, though, is that, and sorry, I should note that this gets if they if things stay the same, it gets even more complicated next summer when Corey Joseph uh, can opt out, when Lucas Togera, Bruno Caboclo, and Fred Van Vliet are restricted free agents, and when Norman Powell is a restricted free agent and in for a huge payday. Those yeah. are bridges they cross when they come to it. Um, for now. You would think something has to break with Valanciunas, Carroll, or Joseph because the Raptors' tax bill is too large. Their ability to add to this roster right now is too limited. Uh, the issue, of course, Eric, is that trading Jonas Valanciunas with three years and 16-plus million per or Demari Carroll with two years and 30.2 million total uh, or even Corey Joseph in the way the point guard market played out this summer um, is not easy. Uh, no, it is not. Um, and really to get significant flexibility, if that's a concern, you got to move two of those three guys, um, like to get to the full mid-level, uh, we're, we're talking about moving, you know, 21, $22 million to get down to, to where they would probably like to be in order to spend that mid-level. Um, and I find it, uh, and th that might not happen, it might not be doable, uh, we'll see. But I find it really fascinating, because as you alluded to, Masai Ujiri has emphasized the importance of development, drafting, and building from within. Uh, he seems like a guy who would hate to throw in a first-round pick to move a contract, and yet, I don't think Damari Carroll's getting moved without a first-round pick. I'm getting to the stage where I don't think Jonas Valanciunas is getting moved without a first-round pick. And that's a conundrum. Yeah, so it's it's tough because the first-round pick, they're important because they're picks and they're players. Uh, they're also trade currency. And they're also, as we're seeing right now with the eight entry-level contracts on the roster, they're inexpensive. You need to use those. So, like, trading Damari Carroll and attaching a first-round pick, 
takes away your number three wing player right now, which means Bruno Caboclo is in your rotation to start the year, depending on what happens uh, with the mid-level you'd open up. You're paying a first-round pick, which takes away from your asset base uh, if a trade comes up, and it means you're not replenishing uh, when four guys hit restricted free agency next summer. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just it, like you're giving up two assets. If You you have to still consider Damari Carroll, the player, a, a useful asset because he can play in an NBA rotation still as much yeah. as people grew tired of his injury and inconsistency last year. Um, you're giving up two assets, basically, to for strictly financial reasons, and that's tough to stomach. Yeah, and there's no easy answer, and the organization's MO makes it even more complicated. Uh, I, I think the end of the day, Ujiri is going to do at least what it takes to get down to below the apron, uh, but it's not it's not easy, but that is, again, uh, the price you pay. I mean, it's the price they're paying for in part for the unexpectedly low uh, salary cap and luxury tax that came in. Uh, Which, thanks. by the way, something I wrote about today for the Athletic Toronto, how yeah. the changing cap and CBA landscape affected the Raptors yeah. offseason. Thanks, Warriors and Cavs, for being so damn good that the playoffs produced so little revenue. Yeah, that's, uh, that's <laughs> tough. You lost a lot of games in the playoffs, like a lot of TV games. No, that was a, a not insignificant part of that, which I'm not sure everybody realizes. Uh, but playoff games produce revenue for the league, and the players and the league get to share that revenue. And when there are fewer games, I think Golden State should have just thrown some games for the benefit of everybody. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Then Kevin uh, Durant wouldn't have had to take less money. And Exactly. Kevin Durant cost himself money by being so good. Yeah. Isn't that always the way? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, for me to sit here and guess what Jerry's going to do is sort of foolish. Uh, the center market is not good. Uh, is not a, it's not a seller's market, obviously. The point guard market is not a seller's market. Uh, the injured, possibly past his prime, small forward market is not a seller's market. And these are the pieces that they need to move. So, On top of I don't which, know. there are a lot of teams trying to sell shed salary. So the teams that can take it on have yeah. a ton of leverage. Yeah, so like, what teams are we still looking at? We're looking at Atlanta, maybe. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at Brooklyn. Phoenix. We're looking at Brooklyn. Sacramento. And Sacramento, and they still might have restricted free agency or free agency targets of their own. Yeah. And, so, and Indiana, even after the odd Darren Collison signing, still has about $13 million in space, so maybe we can include them too. Um, but the Corey Joseph to Indiana rumor would seem to be off the table. Yeah, I don't see why you would sign Darren Collison and then trade for Corey Joseph. But, you could have uh, ended that sentence a little earlier. Yes, I could have. Uh, especially though when you have Point Lance. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so there, uh, I mean, there's no two ways around it. They're in a conundrum. Uh, it's easy to say they should pay the tax. Who cares? Uh, not worry about it. But then you still have a roster that doesn't necessarily make sense as it's constructed. Um, and this goes back to, you know, free agency and contract extensions are where 
mistakes get made. And for reasons that you've written about, like in isolation, the Carroll contract and the Valanchunas contract weren't bad at the time, the, the times that they were signed. But, you know, the, the world under your feet can change pretty quickly. And now they're hamstringing. They have hamstrung uh, the Raptors front office and uh, how they're going to get out of it is uh, definitely the story of the remainder of the offseason, or at least as long as it takes them to do so. Yeah. So from here, I mean, selfishly, this all leaves the two of us in a bit of a holding pattern. There's only so much we can write when the offseason is only halfway done for them. Uh, There are shoes still to drop. Even writing about potential free agent targets for that 15th roster spotter in what-if scenarios is kind of a fool's errand given that which of the salaries they shed and if they're, and what they give up or what they yeah. get back will have such a profound impact yeah. on what they'd be looking for and how much they have to spend. Yeah, uh, which, we're basically sitting on our hands now. Which exception will they have to use? Yeah. Will they have any? I mean, I guess you automatically have the taxpayer exception, but we don't know the level to which MLSE, who's reportedly agreed to pay the tax, like how much of the tax they will pay for a team that, as we've just gone over, is probably not winning a title. Uh, it's like there's a lot of what-ifs in the air, and I think, to an extent, Messiah Jerry's in sort of the same holding pattern we are, because he has to... The teams that have leverage right now are the teams with cap space, and their top priorities are probably not helping out teams like the Raptors. Whatever shakes down, my hope is that, um, and and look, he deserves more money than this, but his name has barely been a a whisper so far in rumors. C.J. Miles would be a super nice piece. Uh, Yeah. They probably um, won't be able to afford him, though. No, I think... I mean, it's tough to project what the teams with cap room will do because typically they're bad and don't have much incentive to sign good players at long-term deals. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he would be a nice piece. But that's... Uh, and, and, and you know, I, know who we haven't even talked about yet? Vince Carter? Well, we haven't talked about him. We also haven't talked about Patrick Patterson. Oh, yeah. Um, no one has. That's why. <laughs> He was one of, like, a hundred people meeting with Sacramento, apparently. Yeah. Um, one more note on CJ Miles, sorry. The reason I mention him is not only because he's a great player and would be a really nice fit, um, but also just to inform that, like, even if the Raptors shed two salaries and don't take much salary back, like, that's kind of the ceiling of the kind of guy that you should be looking at here. Like, the P- I know people get excited, and, and I don't fault anyone for doing it, but the people coming up with, hypothetical sign-and-trades with the extra cap space or, like, go making a run at, like, Danilo Gallinari or someone like that. Like, C.J. Miles is kind of the high-water mark of the guy you could hope to add after all of this shakes down, I think. Yeah, and that's no slight to C.J. Miles. He's good. He would fit no, there's, in. There's but, a reason I want yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, it's not getting better than that, and it's probably not go- going to yield him. There's uh, almost no scenario in which the Raptors add a player with a higher annual salary than eight point four million. Correct. So I don't know why I, I need to vary like obviously you are the resident cap master. Well, you could have been pedantic and been like, Well, if they move Carol and J V and take back this guy in a trade or something like there are scenarios, they're just not likely ones. 
Yeah. Uh, so I chose not to be pedantic, which is unusual. Good on you. Um, is there anything... I guess we should talk about Patrick Patterson. Maybe we should save that for the next episode. Yeah, he'll still When he signs somewhere that isn't or, Toronto. Or, or doesn't. Well, he'll sign somewhere. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, there's there's a lot of free agents still on the board and not a lot of money. That's true. Um, he might yeah, have to I, sign a one-year... Yeah. He is a good... He is a good NBA... He's a useful NBA rotation player, and some teams should sign him. Yeah, it seems as if the... You know, him and Toronto, that relationship is over. But, uh, you know, if you had to sign a one-year deal somewhere... Uh, to recoup your value, doing so with the team that has your bird rights, and then if you got traded, you would still have bird rights. I'm just saying, it's it's not the he, worst option. He could do worse, and they could do worse. Yes, which is uh, how most people end up getting married, right? Oh, come on. <laughs> You're not married. Don't take offense to it. Yeah. That's a bad that's, joke, though. That's just a depressing comment in general. And on that note, uh, Eric, any party shots before we uh, before we let the people go? Well, you're off to Vegas, man. Yeah, I'm off to Vegas on Friday for a week for Las Vegas Summer League. Stay hydrated. Yep. Uh, maybe we'll do a podcast. Maybe we won't. I think I'll probably try to do one on location. I'll grab a guest for next week, and we'll talk yeah. Summer League stuff. Um, just because yeah. Skyping from the hotel means I have to lug my um, like my good mic. Oh, uh, yes. I, I remember... I remember you talking about this now. Yeah, and I kind of don't want to pack. I don't want to check a bag, so. Yeah, that's that's, uh, and you can do that because it'll be 110 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, and and, I'm not gonna wear a shirt the whole time. And all you need is like two pair of shorts. Uh, although, as Oscar Bluth would say, if you spill on one pair, that puts a lot of pressure on the next pair. <laughs> um, and like enough t-shirts that's all you need and it's vegas so like it's not like you have to dress for a game you're just dressing super casual yeah i have an issue with this i don't like wearing shorts to something that i think is work i i i'm the type of person i wear basketball shorts in my house like all year round but yeah last year at summer league i don't think i wore shorts once Okay, so bring one pair of pants. Yeah. Although again, the oscar bluth rule applies um but in general, you could be wearing shorts when you're not at the gym. Yes. And uh, you can do it. This is a totally doable carry-on scenario. We'll see. And we'll we won't, this is what we won't, we'll update you on in this if, spot if, next week. If you don't pull this off, I will lose tremendous respect for you. Okay. You, well, do, you, do, you do not need to check luggage. Was there a tremendous amount of respect to lose in the first place? Yes, I very much value you and respect you. Okay. Well, thank you, but I was setting you up for... That was a big lob there that you just grounded out the shortstop. No. By being a nice person and a good friend. Yeah, it's all love, baby. Who are you? Um, all right, we will... Uh, I will talk to you next week with someone. We're not sure if it'll be Eric. Uh, Eric, thanks so much, man. Enjoy the rest of your non-holiday July 4th. Uh, you as well, Blake. Be well, listeners. If only to be a reasonable man.